Welcome to the Dare to Move podcast. I'm your host, Garrett Wood, and I inspire you to take action with stillness, let go of chaos, and step into your future self on this podcast. We have special, high-performing guests each week who share mindset tips and their spirituality, helping us all prepare to be the best we can be for our future. Let's dare to move. Welcome back to the Dare to Move podcast, where we talk about all things stillness this season. And you know, as I think about it more and more, there's probably going to be a swing off of this, which is going to be more about action. But time will tell. It is the Dare to Move podcast after all, which I'd like to think is motivating you to make some sort of transformation in your life. So thank you for being here. If you are a longtime loyal listener, you probably remember me joking that I was going to call this the Pink Robe Towel Podcast because I used to get in the shower in my old Cambridge apartment, have my ideas for content come to me, get out of the shower, and then record the podcast. And so it'd always be in my pink robe towel at my tiny, tiny mini desk. And I wanted to share with you that I'm coming to you today from an up-leveled desk. Um, this desk, I could, I'm 5'2". I'm pretty sure I'm looking at it in, in, <laughs> intricately here. Um, I'm pretty sure I could lay down on it and you could trace my body on it. It is long and wide, deep, however you want to call it. And I feel like a queen. So I'm loving it. We are, Jeff and I are almost two months into living in our new house. And that is a beautiful story of manifestation that we shared very recently. So go check out last week's episode if you did not catch that. Uh, we are both now at a point where we're trying to figure out who is the better manifester. But um, anyway, it's an exciting time. And if you hadn't noticed, I've spent the last almost two minutes telling you a story about my desk, about this new desk. It's bigger than the old one. I feel up-leveled. And today we're going to dive into stories. Um, and you're going to hear this from someone, aka myself, who studied stories and storytelling in college. And I will say, I'm not sure based off of memory if I am the self-proclaimed storyteller of kindergarten or if it's true in my memory that I won the award for best storyteller. I'd have to ask my mom. Either way, I was a storyteller as far back as kindergarten. We know this to be true. So stories, what are they? Why do they matter? Um, we're going to start with the positives. Um, and instead of going on and on and making this about the power of storytelling, which if you go way far back and you listen to um, episodes, you know what? I'm going to link them in there because they are like throwback episodes I would love for you to check out. So we had the executive producer of um, – 30 Rock, uh, John Riggi on, and he is, you know, <laughs> an incredible storyteller and writer. We had Sam Morgan on, who's a songwriter, a writer, and an actor. We had Jacqueline Journey on, who wrote a book and is an actress. And we had Emily Belden on, who wrote some of my favorite books um, that take place in Chicago. She lives in Chicago. She's now doing show running. Who else? Man, of course I've attracted... Oh, Dave Wedge. He wrote the book that became the movie The Patriot about the Boston bombings. He wrote uh, the book about ALS and um, the Ice Bucket Challenge and most recently a book on Whitey Bulger and um, <laughs> the story of Whitey in South Boston. So 
I'm going to link all of those because I don't want to downplay the power of storytelling because it's something near and dear to my heart, but we are going to talk more about the negatives of stories as it pertains to our self-improvement work and inner work and stillness work. So the positives of storytelling, I'm going to highlight these quickly. And if these are things you'd rather listen to, go back and listen to the episodes linked in the show notes. Um, so stories, it's in our human nature. It is how we make sense of the world. When someone asks us how we are, Sometimes we just say good and sometimes we say good because I was walking down the street and I found $10 and then I was happy. You know, we always make sense of our feelings based on the happenings by regurgitating or one of my favorite words, recapitulating what happened. So beautiful wordsmiths or writers will tell these stories to evoke emotion and stories are and storytelling not only helps us with making sense of the world but also ourselves as is the micro as is the macro and vice versa because if they stories when we hear them and we listen they pull out emotion right they make us feel it makes us remember that we can have physical sensations in our body because we're human and it's a really beautiful experience and one just very quick um quick story while we're on the topic of stories uh, about humans our human nature of, of telling stories is just this past summer we, I was at a ranch and you ride a horse all day. <laughs> well, you ride in the morning, you come back for lunch, you ride in the afternoon, probably three, three to four hours. And on Thursdays at this ranch, since the early mid, well, not early, mid 1900s, um, you ride all day on Thursdays. So you leave about 7.30, you come back at 4.30. So we were riding out to this ranch, um, this other ranch where, where we were to herd cattle <laughs> and, I grew up going to this ranch when I was 12, 13, and then again when I was 18. We went as a family. And being a part of the kid group and then the teen group, there was always a sense of adventure. Like the first time I was out there, our kitty supervisor who was riding the horses with the cowboy, you know, wrangler who leads the ride, got kicked, flown off of her horse, and rushed back by one of the older people in the group to rush her back to the ranch, which was about 45 minutes away. You know, we're worried about her. Another time we went to a waterfall and we jumped off of it. And there's always something adventurous that happened. And so I thought, well, now I'm 29. I'm back at this ranch. We're going on an all-day ride to herd cattle. And is there going to be adventure? Like, and so I started to think, of course. So the night before, I told Jeff, who was going to be fishing all day, I said, hey, I'm kind of nervous because all the wranglers, all the like cowboys are younger than me now. They're all 23, 22. I'm going to be the oldest one and we're going to be miles away from the ranch. And like, what if something happens? And lo and behold, my stepmom ended up coming. So I felt like we had her, you know, in tow to keep us all safe. Um, and I asked the wrangler about an hour and a half out of the ranch. I said, Hey, like, does anything ever happen? What happens to the horse? What happens to the horse if it gets angry, if it gets injured? And out of the blue, the horse started freaking out, the wrangler's horse. And it was kind of like jumping up in the air and rearing and bucking. And it ran into a bush and scraped itself. And the wrangler, who's like a professional rider, like could not control the horse. So it's kind of flipping out. He finally gets the horse to calm down and the horse is all bloody. It had like beautiful white fur and or hair, I should say. 
and uh, you could see the blood. And I was like, oh, that's kind of creepy. So anyway, we keep going, we keep going, we get to the ranch, and we were supposed to come in from the left to move the cattle towards the right. And a group from the right was going to come in and move them to the left, so we'd get them to go straight and, you know, corral these, these cows. And we get there, and the group, the other group's nowhere to be found, and neither are the cattle. And it turns out, I'm making a long story shorter here, um, the wrangler of the other group's horse got stuck in a fence. So our wrangler had to go ride 20 minutes to her, figure out what happened. And in the meantime, he's like, just go find a spot in the forest, sit down and eat lunch. So I'm with an 18-year-old kind of like part-time staff girl who was on her day off riding with us. My stepmom, my brother, his girlfriend, my cousins, and then two older men and another young girl. We're sitting in the forest we have no cell phone service. We haven't for hours. We're sitting there. We have no clue how long our cowboy is going to be gone. And we just, we sit down and we're kind of in a circle and people just start telling stories. I'm like, okay, <laughs> this is just what humans do. Okay. So it's how we connect. It's how we connect to ourselves. It's how we make sense of our experience. It's how we feel real. So I hope we understand that part of it. And now We're going to get into more of the negative parts of (laughs) stories and how they can entrap us today. And if you have not listened to the episode on thought work and thought architecture, please go back and listen to that because the information around physical sensations and the decisions, the thoughts we, uh, thoughts and um, emotions we link to those. Um, you will need to hear that to make the most sense out of this episode. So first negative of storytelling. When we have a story that we tell, we are keeping ourselves in a cycle. That cycle includes our reality, the way we see the world. It includes our overall well-being based on physical feelings and emotions that come up and also our attachment to one particular outcome. So if I have a story that I got fired and it's because nobody likes to keep me around because I'm worthless, I'm already, I'm not, this isn't even something I've said before, but that I'm already like, I'm not, I'm pretending and I feel bad. Like it does not feel good to say that stuff, right? When we release, um, um, when we say words, so in the last episode, we talked about how thoughts and words can change physical responses in our body, which lead to emotions, actions, and inactions, or physical sensations lead to thoughts and emotions. So in this case, those words resounding have like a, a negative, a sadness, an impact that's not positive, right? So now I'm in low vibrational energy and different um, emotions will lead to different chemical reactions in the body. So if we get into a place of fear, like a tiger is about to jump on us, we're going to release some, some pretty damn strong hormones so that if we need to fight or fight or flee flight, we have the energy to do it. Right. And so let's say we tell the story about the boss and they hate us and they fired us because we're worthless and we can never get a job and it's COVID. So of course we can't get a job and this sucks. It's like, we get ourselves amped up around our sadness. And that reaction that happens, although we feel like maybe we're commiserating for ourselves or with others, we're really, the only reason we're choosing to um, 
repeat the story, even though it's quite negative, is because the hormones getting released are actually addictive. So we get addicted to that state. It's a negative energy, which makes us the opposite of magnetic, which makes us hard to break out of the reality we're in. So if we think that we're worthless and we love the story that will yeah, I think I'm worthless. Of course I'm worthless. My boss fired me and like no job has kept me more than six months. Of course that's true. Then so it is because every time you tell that story, you're going to get a chemical release, hormonal release in your body that's actually giving you a high, which is why you keep coming back to it. And it's keeping you trapped in this reality that you're worthless. And it's very hard to break out of once you get the addictive hormone pattern jiving with it. Um, some people could argue happiness is addictive. Like you say really good things about yourself and you, then you feel good and then you work out and then you feel even better and then you just like keep feeling better and you keep wanting to come back to it. Like everything, like we, maybe we all have addictive personalities, but we, when we tell the same story, right? And we, it pu- pulls up negative emotions or positive ones. Let's say it's negative. Now we've connected ourselves to that vibe, that energy, that uh, low vibe, (laughs) um, way of being, what can come from that? Nothing. And most of the time stories have an ending, right? So my boss is the worst. My boss fired me because I'm worthless and nobody's ever kept me longer than three months because I suck. And then let's say the ending is, so I am not going to try to get a job again, or so I'm not going to work in that industry anymore. Or so I decided to be a stay-at-home mom. When we make that resolution and we end the story the way we choose, while it can be very powerful, like, and so I decided to look on the bright side. Most of the time, we choose an attachment, we choose an outcome that we then get attached to. So if you are, for instance, saying, well, I have to work at this company so I can get to that company so that I can climb that corporate ladder, have that on my resume to then go to this school like Harvard, and then I can get into the venture capital world. You have now, that story you created is now limiting you to that how. And when you're in co-creation with the universe, you are opening yourself up to whatever is going to serve your highest good with your intention of, I want to be a venture capitalist, right? So when we allow ourselves to say, okay, my intention is venture capital and I'm working here today. I'm open to the possibilities of what could happen. We're no longer attached that it has to be this way, that way, and that way. Because when you are fixed on that outcome, you're fixed on it. That's all you can do because you haven't allowed yourself other possibilities. And it's the same thing with like, well, if I don't get this car, then I'm not happy. Now, if you don't get it, you're going to be unhappy, right? So stories lead to attachment to the outcome. And it also re uh, like invigorates and reaffirms patterns and cycles. So a very personal one that I've shared many times on this podcast is my story around my dad, which kind of for a while at some points in my life turned into my stories about men, (laughs) turned into my stories about how relationships go wrong. Um, and it was a lot of like, men don't listen, men don't remember. Um, you know, my dad doesn't show up because I'm not worth it. AKA I'm telling myself I'm not worthy of love. Right. And so that thought pattern, even once my dad and I were at a more peaceful place in our relationship, 
culminated in me picking up those patterns, again, because of the hormonal rush that comes out of it that can be addictive, with a friend or a cousin or whomever. It's happened many times where I'm like, oh, she doesn't care because she didn't do this and then she didn't call and she because I don't matter to her and that sucks and she's the worst or he's the worst, whoever it was, right? It is a pattern that gives me a, uh, an, a hormone rush. That, so that's why people say like you can get addicted to drama or don't be around that person. They're addicted to drama. And it, it's, um, I don't mean to use the word addiction lightly, but it's addiction, right? Because it's actually a response your body's giving you that you want to continue to feel, which is why you may solve the problem with your dad, but then find yourself in the same similar, sometimes it doesn't feel similar unless you have a coach like I did, who's like, hey, this is the same thing. Um, Stories will help us, um, uh, they get so affirmed within us, we repeat them. And we don't want to repeat that cycle, right? So um, if you had a really arduous journey through, I don't know, something like a as an athlete, right? And then you almost got to the finish line and you got injured. And then your story was like, oh no, now I realize like when I was a, a little kid, I got injured right before the, the final tournament. Man, I always get injured. Like my story is injury has always taken away my wins and blah, blah, blah. Then like you're probably going to manifest the same <laughs> pattern again or at least talk about it. Um, so stories can um, reaffirm thought patterns that may not be the most helpful for us. Now, Stories in a positive way help us remember emotion. So when I was writing my book, Dare to Move, which is a novel based on true events, it began as a memoir. And it, for the most part, spoiler alert, it's like 90% true. So I read this really powerful book called The Art of Memoir by Mary Carr. And she talks so much about how, um, how to write a memoir, which is really a collection of stored memories that are only memories because of the emotion that we experience. So if my experience in a relationship was, uh, you know, whatever the content was, he did this, he did that, or he didn't do that, whatever, it made me feel happy. It made me feel sad. I'm using basic emotions, obviously. Make it easy. I remember how they made me feel. I may not remember that they actually did buy me roses one time and for the most part they made me feel like shit I'm gonna remember the parts that validate that emotion that I remember feeling and that's why memoirs are hard because and so they can be very um what's the word I'm looking for not contradictory but like um gosh it's like right at the tip of my tongue um controversial because somebody may say that wasn't true at all that, that, that's never happened, you know, that, and, and yeah, sure. Are there people that lie or exaggerate? Yes. But we're not talking about that. We're talking about someone doesn't remember it the same way because they aren't you. We have our own experiences with emotions. And as we were, we remember the story based on the emotions, like, and then I got to the top of the mountain and I was so excited, but then I realized I forgot my camera and I was sad and whatever, I'm making this up. Um, but the way that we remember emotion can be really positive, or it can be really negative. And so again, when we continue to tell the same stories and we can't release them, then we get trapped in that negative emotion. And when we continue to repeat the same story or we carry the stories that we have, it can predict our emotions down the line. If depending on 
how often we tell the story. So for 2015 and 2016, most of 2015, I should say, all of 2016, I kept telling the story of I'm single, men suck, it's so hard to date in Boston. And that didn't feel good, obviously, because it was frustrating. But I continue to tell that story. Like, I have bad luck. Men are the worst. I have the worst luck. I, I can't date. Blah, blah, blah. I kept saying it. So I was kind of predicting a reality that sucked. Um, so we don't allow ourselves um, to experience any other emotions because we are stuck to the story. <laughs> kind of like sticking to a plan that didn't work in the first place. Um, so we've been over this addiction to the chemical reaction because you're like, well, why would you keep why would you keep telling the same story if it doesn't, if it's not helpful? <laughs> it's like, well, because there's a hormonal response that comes with it. So you're probably like, okay, well, Garrett, how do we, how do we get rid of the emotion? What, what is the, like the hormonal rush? How do we do this? And so like I talked about in the last episode on thought work and thought architecture is to really get still and get quiet and understand what you're feeling in the first place. Because if you're feeling fear of the unknown, for instance, falling back on a story that makes sense to you and has proof and evidence because it happened might be a default, right? And so instead of saying like, you know, what I'm just going to use that story, like why don't we write a new one? Or like the last episode, what am I feeling in my body? Where do I feel it? In my gut? In my hips? In my throat? Like what am I feeling and where am I feeling it? And what thoughts are attached? Because like the last episode said, sometimes we feel something in our body because there is something to be felt. Our body's talking to us. And if you're like, Garrett, you're crazy. Here's the real easy example from the last episode. If you're a loyal listener, you're so annoyed (laughs) with this example at this point. But the example is that you're walking through the forest and you have a feeling that there's a tiger behind you or a snake or in New Hampshire, a bear. And before you even turn back to look, you feel it. Another example, your third grade, fifth grade, high school teacher, whatever grade you remember for the first time walks in and you just know they're in a bad mood and they haven't even said anything. Because we feel energy, our bodies feel energy, we are energetic beings. So that that those feelings are trying to tell us something. In the last episode, we talked a lot about how it was telling us we're out of alignment. In this case, it's like, that story doesn't feel good. Stop, <laughs> you know? And so in that moment, we get to choose, okay, I'm feeling this physical feeling. Am I going to choose the thoughts of the old story or am I going to choose new ones? Because we do have power to choose. The other part of it is if someone reminds you of that story, they kind of put the thought in your head and you want to choose a different one and therefore a different reality and therefore a different outcome based on letting go. So, okay, back to how to do it. Um, My coach and I are working on this in real time. Uh, I can't say I'm an expert on this, but I can say that Danielle Laporte posted about it the other day about transmutation. And transmutation is taking energy and putting it into something else, right? We can't just like delete energy in our bodies. So it's going to seem oversimplified, but (coughs) excuse me, it's breath work. So when we can do, as my coach would call, clear channel breathing, where you're breathing in, imagining you're sucking air in from overhead, from the universe, like light coming down into your gut, and it's it's inhaling down into the root. So if you're seated, or I guess if you're standing or laying down, it's inhaling into the earth, it's coming back into your body and exhaling out the top. So I like to do it like inhale into my gut, exhale into the root, 
Inhale from the root, exhale out my head. Inhale from overhead into my gut, exhale to the root. Inhale up out of the root and then exhale through the top of my head. When we do this, if you are a follower or fan of Joe Dispenza, he talks a lot about this um, like tightening of the pelvic floor muscles, lower abdomen muscles. Um, it's like a it's like a Kegel, really. So when you're squeezing down there and you're squeezing your upper back muscles and you're squeezing your core and you try to breathe in, it's like sucking energy up out of a straw, right? And it's hard when you're flexing and tensing those muscles to breathe in, you really are sucking the energy up. So as you do your clear channel breathing with these contractions, um, and, and you can, I mean, Google this, you will find some good resources. I'll try to find one and put it in the show notes. You can, one, minimize the physical sensations that are coming up. So basically it's like telling your body, Hey, there is no tiger. You don't need to feel that anymore, but Hey, thanks for the, uh, thanks for the awareness. Thanks for the nudge, but I know it's not true. We're going to breathe it out. So basically I'm not dumbing it down to just breathe it out, but once we are in for a couple minutes of this clear channel breathing, you can actually imagine where are the sensations and actually picture yourself squeezing them. And this is where I'm sort of stuck in my own practice. It's hard sometimes. Like, how do you squeeze your heart? How do you squeeze the back of your heart? How do you squeeze your lower left side, right? So how do you do that? It is a practice. But imagine yourself squeezing those emotions into love and um, alchemizing them into positive energy and then exhaling it out so that it's not living in the body waiting to trigger this hormonal response. And you can actually quash a lot of the physical feelings before they even become thoughts so long as you're in tune with your body. And in the last episode, we talked a lot about how when we do things like running marathons, powerlifting, um, when we're overachievers, we learn how to tune our body out because it's not fun to run 10 miles when your hip hurts. Oh, I'm not just, I'm just not going to feel my hip. <laughs> I'm just not going to feel my arch of my foot today. I'm just going to ignore it, right? We can be really good at ignoring these things. And you probably are smiling if you know I'm talking about you, not like you, I'm talking about a person, but we've all had those moments when like you're going to that guy's house or that girl's house and you're like, your gut is like, sending off all the signals like this isn't a good idea you shouldn't be doing this they're not for you this isn't good and we ignore it right so we've all known that too our body is always talking to us um and a lot of times again when we feel that signal we can create a story around it oh this is just what happened before and this was the outcome and this is how i felt and then boom all the hormones are released we attach to the story and the stories are, again, what we carry. It's like we all imagine you have this big duffel bag with a bunch of books and they're all the different chapters of your life. Like, oh, this book was my college book. Oh yeah, this story happened in college. And we love sharing them. So I'm not here today to say, <laughs> don't don't tell stories. Don't connect with people that way. I'm here to bring awareness to like, what's the story that evokes pain and, and heartbreak in you that you keep talking about? Was it that ex that was abusive that you keep telling that story to everybody? Like, stop telling the story. Yes, can it be a cathartic to write it out, get it on paper? Yeah, I did it. I will tell you that firsthand. But it wasn't until I did that, and I, which was my process of release, that it was no longer sitting in my head. It was on a piece of paper and now in a book on a shelf. 
I don't carry whatever baggage is in that book anymore with me. Were there some fun parts? Yes. Were there some good learnings? Yes. But the overall point of the story that had a lot of a woe is me undertone and poor me and victimhood is gone because I didn't want to live that anymore. So I want you, if you leave this episode and you do a little journaling, to really ask yourself, what story do I tell myself and or others most often that is holding me back? How is it making me attached to a certain outcome? What is the thought pattern that follows? Is it, and therefore I suck, and therefore I'll never get a job, and therefore it won't work? Or is it, tailspin of grief and binge eating and shame and guilt. We don't know. We need to look at the pattern that the story inspires. We also need to look at the emotions. Does it feel good to tell the story? And I'm not talking about the sarcastic, we can turn our pain into like some funny story and laugh about it, which is, you know, a lot of people that are joke, a lot of comedians joke that like they're the saddest people around, right? They turn their pain into something funny. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about like really does this story make you feel good or bad? Um, Was it a good time or a bad time? And then noticing the physical feelings of your body. When you think about your story, how do you feel? When in your life does this story come up? Like when I feel lost or I feel frustrated about being on the East Coast or I miss my family, the story about like I can't believe I had to come here and it was against my will. It's like, no, it wasn't. I had a choice to not come to Boston. I felt like I didn't have a choice and I decided to. So I told people I was against my will, right? So we create stories sometimes that aren't true to make us feel better and it can be a coping mechanism. But if you are still here and alive and well today to listen to this podcast, you have made it through the coping. And if you still feel like you have work to do and you're not totally through the coping, I suggest either writing the story all the way out to release it, burn it, or publish it, um, or start crafting a new one or letting just not saying the one that continues to make you feel like crap. You have the power and the autonomy to write a new story that will stay with you, that you will carry for the good um, to be used as motivation and hope and inspiration um, and connection to others. Um, versus connecting over negative stuff, which, I mean, we're humans. We always find something to connect over. Yes, you can both commiserate over a bad job, but be careful about that story and how often you tell it. It's not always going to be helpful for you. So I hope this has been helpful and that you are um, kind of looking at your stories differently. I mean, we all have them, whether you think you do or you don't. Tune in a little deeper, do the journaling, and let me know, as always, if you have questions, because that's what I'm here for. I, <laughs> since day one, I have put my email in the show notes, and I have only ever had one person, and I'll shout her out, Sophia, reach out to me. So um, please email me. <laughs> it's there for a reason. Not everyone does that, by the way. So connect with me. I'm here for it. Um, write a review. Share this episode if it feels helpful. Um, or you want other people to tune in. And I just appreciate you being here. And I hope that you will be back listening soon. And as always, I'll leave you with Dare to Move. <laughs>